This podcast is supported in part by Australian Ethical. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following program contains medium coarse language and traces of nuts. A rational fear recommends listening by immature audiences. Comedians, experts, laughing at the world as it burns down around us. <laughs> this is Are you ready? A Rational Fear. Tonight, Ben Robert Smith launches an appeal against the court. Lawyers say he doesn't have a leg to stand on. And Prime Minister Albanese is sending 30 more Bushmasters to Ukraine, leaving Australia defended by a guy named Phil who has a lot of long service leave to cash in. And in just one week, Instagram's threads have clocked up millions of millions of posts, mainly from Lewis Hobber. It's the 14th of July, and with more Bushmasters than Australia, this is a rational fear. This is a rational National Fear. G'day, welcome to Rational Fear. I'm your host, the newest member state for NATO, Dan Illich, and this is the podcast that takes a more serious look at the news and give it a little bit of a tickle at the same time. On the show tonight, we'll be talking threads, climate change, and AI with the following fear mongers. By day, they're a mild-mannered science communications professional. By night, they're a drag king. It's Lee Constable. Welcome, Lee. Hello. Great to be with you. You're going to be doing science communication as a drag king. Yes. What's your drag king name? Uh, his name is Milton Mango. <laughs> He's uh, with a capital man. He's a apprentice manscaper by day and a science nerd by night. Now, I don't know. Look, I'm not from... That sounds like a very Queensland name. Can you explain to people <laughs> who aren't from Queensland what, what it is about Milton Mango? Yeah, so I was living in Brizzy when I first uh, did drag as Milton and our Milton Mango is Queensland slang for a tinny of Forex because the Forex factory is on (laughs) Milton Road. And it's about the same size as a mango. (laughs) Yeah, it's Milton Mango. And they're the hardest working person in ABC News current affairs division, not by choice, it's just that there's a a lot of job sharing these days due to the cutbacks. It's Angela Vapierre. Ange, welcome back to the podcast. It hasn't been very long, it's only been a mere couple of weeks. No, I know. It's all part of being hardworking. Remember when job sharing used to mean that you did less work, like you did like three days a <laughs> week, right. and now job sharing means you all the jobs are shared and you just do seven days. That's what that means now. <laughs> and he's the last geriatric millennial on-air talent to leave their job at the Youth Broadcaster. It's old man Lewis Hobart. Congratulations on leaving Thank Triple you, J. Dan. Well done. Thank you did you. it. You got Thank escape you so velocity. Yes, yeah. Yes, they finally got rid of me. I've been hanging on by the skin of my teeth for decades. Have you had some nice reactions from from people who are going to miss you? Like, I know I I read a lot of comments on the internet and people love you and and him. 
It is baffling, isn't it? Um, but yeah, people. Um, <laughs> it is. Uh, it's been really nice. I usually, um, I usually steer away from getting too deep into comments. I flick over, but I don't go deep. I know you often come and you're like, "Have you seen what they're saying about you on Reddit?" And I'm like, "No," and I never will. <laughs> well, I brought a comment with me from the Sydney Morning Herald. Oh, sure. <laughs> At the bottom of the article that announced your departure, Lloyd Braun said, Triple J used to have great and clever broadcasters. It was the breeding ground for the new and innovative. It was cool, fun and respected. It's become something else. It's a bit <laughs> corporate. Someone should let Hobber and Hing know the ABC is not a company. Well... Uh, it's a it's corporation. A corporation, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Lloyd Braun, you should know that the ABC is a corporation. Fucking <laughs> hell. <laughs> it's just like the kind, of, the kind of people that write those comments are completely unhinged. It's like they haven't consumed the product in a thousand years. It, it is like, it is so funny because 99.9% of the comments have been lovely, normal, and, you know, I, I am very, I guess, proud of the fact that, generally speaking, the people who listen to our show are also people who I think I would get along with. To a point, you know what I mean? Like, which I think is nice. But of course, it's the people who don't listen to your show, who haven't listened to Triple J in 10 years. And you see it on like the, I guess, legacy social media like Facebook where people are like, haven't listened in years, but I bet they're shit. And you're like, why? And and have you had like commercial entertainment reporters like Peter Ford go, Hobber and Hing, I've never heard of them. No, although I mean, someone did say that about Hing uh, a few months ago, which is kind of insane. Um, at the time he was complaining about racist attacks on the internet and this white guy was like, um, sorry, bud, never heard of you. You're like, awesome. Um, that was my favourite commercial entertainment reporter, Peter Ford, who never hears of anyone. Like he, that's his standard thing. If, if there's controversy, it's like, well, look, I've never heard of them, so they can't be that good. Incredible reporting. Do a Google, you fucking idiot. Do your job like, as an entertainment reporter. Yeah, no, yeah, look, in Australia, the job of an entertainment reporter is either be Richard Wilkins and drunk at every event or the other <laughs> guy who, like, outed people without their knowledge. They're the two types of entertainment reporter we have, drunk uncle and um, surreptitious outing. But, no, um, we had I, 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 we had very lovely people saying very lovely things. It's been, it's been a delight and, uh, yeah, it's been really nice. Oh, that's great. All right, let's play Hang On A Sec. Now, it is winter in Australia and there is little more that makes me depressed than social media feeds of other Australians in Mediterranean climes. Um, But there's one thing that makes me feel better and that's seeing videos of Americans in the Mediterranean (laughs) try to deal with being American in the Mediterranean. I'm going to play Hang On A Sec. I'm going to play a video uh, of an American tourist on the Amalfi Coast having a bit of a whinge. Whenever you want to chime in with a joke, just say... Hang on a sec. Every single influencer and TikToker who put the Amalfi Coast on my For You page over the last two months deserves jail time. Because while they showed you the gorgeous coastlines and the cute little towns, what they didn't tell you were the disclaimers. First of all, it's impossible to get here. You have to fly into Naples. Then you have to take a train from Naples to Sorrento. Then you have to stand in 90 degree weather waiting for a ferry to get on a ferry with all of your luggage. Mind you, we've been in Europe for two weeks. All of your luggage, lug it onto the ferry, Get to Amalfi Coast. Hang on a sec. You've been in Europe two weeks. How much luggage are you carrying? What is going on here? <laughs> also, like, like, ten bags. One of the nicest things in the world is being on a European ferry. Like if you <laughs> aren't enjoying that, you're not on holiday. Also, yeah, and she. I mean, the, the, she's like, and I've got so much luggage. It's like, woo made you like who is who threatened you like are you okay like blink twice if you're like are you being held hostage like is someone making you is this some sort of Chappelle Corby situation what's going on and she only decided to go there when she learned of this two months ago because it was only the last two months of her TikTok feed that had Settle on to the Amalfi Coast <laughs> the Amalfi so, Coast yeah, didn't exist it's like I've been looking at TikTok and I've just heard about this place hang on Italy <laughs> Never heard you have of to it. fly there. <laughs> then, to get to the highest of the high points, the beautiful hotels with the gorgeous, this, there is no streets here. There is no cars driving. So you have to walk up 160 stairs with all of your luggage to get to the top of this gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous area with these beautiful views, carry it, and then also all the power went out because the Amalfi Coast doesn't have the infrastructure to support this tourism. Hang on a sec. You're not 
in traffic, you are traffic, right? (laughs) If the power crashed because there are too many people there, fucking leave. Mm, It's like during the pandemic. I just wanted 50 rolls of toilet paper, but there were all these other people who seemed to want toilet paper. (laughs) So annoying. So annoying. (laughs) Wow. I am am actually, I'm doing real asshole thing and I'm actually... (laughs) I'm going. I'll be. The, I'll be uh, where she is in a week. <laughs> so I'm aware this is. I want to let everyone know here that I am aspirationally wanting to be an asshole. Like, I uh, hopefully next year I'll be that person. <laughs> well, weirdly, Ange and I have actually been at the Amalfi Coast together and experienced <laughs> that exact thing, and it was charming as hell. You'd get to the bottom and you'd be like, "Hey, we don't have any way to get up the stairs," and so I'm like delightful Italian man who worked at a supermarket would put you in the back of his sweet little car and he'd zip you up to the top and he'd go, no no walking around here, this is our beautiful home. And you're like, (laughs) we met all these beautiful people. It was like one of the loveliest, most charming Italian experiences I've ever, like, seen and heard of. I love that that's the version you remember because, like, there was that one time that the guy, like, drove us up the hill and is, like, that Italian grocer drove us up the hill and there were, like, another six times when we did climb the 160 stairs and Mm. and sweated our asses off. But, like, it was still fine. It was still charming. (laughs) Like, listen to me. I was about to be like, it was still fine. Like, it was fine. Like, (laughs) I'm about to be, I'm morphing into that woman. Ah, yeah. <laughs> There's a reason why the people that live at the Amalfi Coast live to about 100. It's because they are climbing that 161 stairs all the time. And sadly, Americans don't have the opportunity to climb they're, stairs they're, ever. They're, they're drinking the blood of American tourists who post TikToks like that. That's what's giving them long life, a thousand percent. It's a rational fear. This week's first fear, Australia is set to join the Climate Club. It's an initiative by the German Chancellor Olaf Scholz designed to lower carbon emissions by putting a price on carbon and taxing high carbon products. Oh, he was, I think, in the clubs meant to save you money. It's the kind of club that you would like to be a part of, would you say, Lee? Yes, definitely. I love a club. I was in the land newspaper Beehive Club as a, as, as a kid. Um, I was in the local poultry club. And I didn't join farm club at school because I said farm clubs for town kids. Um, <laughs> but, I, but that's because I respected that you should only join a club if you feel like, you know, you've got something, you know, they've got something you want. Like there are some clubs that you shouldn't join because you're not qualified. You know, there's gentleman clubs out there that I probably am not going to be a part of. Well, if you so, turn up in Drag King, they should let you in. <laughs> Milty would be welcome. But, yeah, the Climate Club is full of a lot of countries doing a lot more which, with a lot more ambitious targets than we have. So it's going to be interesting to see us trying to fit in in the club. I love the fun yes, rebrand. But- the fun rebrand from, like, we used to talk about a carbon tax and, and now we talk about the Climate Club. Like, we're making it sound like it's, got, it's giving Saddle Club, you know? Like, I want to be in the club. <laughs> well, there's talk of them kind of taxing other countries that aren't in the club and um, giving each other little concessions, I guess, uh, for being in the club and having this as a way of countries working together to bring emissions down. But it If I could suggest exactly... a tax for everyone, I think it should be 50 Cent, the original creator <laughs> of being in the club. In the club, the club, in the club. Yeah, it's getting yeah, hot because it's club. getting hot in here. <laughs> that was Nelly, uh, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh! <laughs> I'm with the pop culture of the 2000s. Of the uh, very 2008, early 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I just embarrassed myself there. I, th- I think you're fine. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's kind of interesting. It's like uh, Australia makes some of the highest carbon products in the world and we export it. Is it better for us to be outside of the club or inside of the club? Mm. Better for who? Better for Australia because it's going to be a really expensive proposition if they're taxing high-carbon products. Well, the thing is, like, once you're in a club, I think the best way, like, you know how they talk a lot about um, how they get you into a cult, right? Yeah. They they start you off by love-bombing you and then they get you in. (laughs) And once you're in the cult, that's when they can start making demands. It's quite hard to make demands when you're outside the cult. So I think, (laughs) and I'm not calling... (laughs) 
climate change enthusiasts a cult. I know there are those who do. <laughs> it's not me. Um, but I'm saying... Have you guys been body swapped? What the hell is going on? You're like, climate change, should we address it? I don't know. <laughs> and a lot has changed in the last three weeks. We've had some sponsor turnover. Um... <laughs> yeah. I've, um, I'm leaving Triple J and I've been listening to a lot of Jordan Peterson. Um, <laughs> I think that if you were trying to get someone to make changes, you'd invite them into the club and then you'd threaten that, to kick them out of the club. No one wants to be kicked out of any club ever. Oh, would there be some kind of initiation? Like would we, um, would <laughs> yeah. we all have to drink from a secret keep cup or something like that to kind of <laughs> stay in the club? Or Is there a clubhouse? That's what I want to know. Like is it like does it have ocean it's views? It's the greenhouse it- effect, <laughs> the <Dan>. green- <laughs> It's built on broken promises. You'll love it. You'll love it. I, reading this story, I realised something quite embarrassing and it's that, because I was like, I was reading it, I'm like, oh yeah, trying to get down emissions. I'm like, wait, do we have a carbon price in Australia? And I realised that I didn't know because that's how much the conversation has kind of gone away off the policy agenda here. Like that, it was like... It was, and this is also saying a lot about where my focus has been for the last couple of years, which has not been reporting on this particular policy area, um, because there's just kind of this sense that, oh, well, Labor is in and they uh, have strong positions on on carbon, uh, you know, on climate change mitigation. And so I'm sure that they're taking care of it. And, you know, pe- maybe people mm. stop paying attention or maybe it was just me. I'm not really sure. Dan, you're probably across no, it. No, no, I, I think you're right. I think uh, they got in with some promises and now all those promises are gone. Yeah, I think... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's pretty much what happened. Yeah, the, I think the, there's the been promises three are gone. big, like fossil fuel projects approved in the in the term so far. Um, there's a great yeah. photo of Tanya Plibersek flying over the Murray Darling Basin last oh, week yeah. in a private jet, looking <laughs> sorrowfully out the window, going, "We should do something about this." <laughs> <laughs> if only. <laughs> it's if like, only I had the power. It, if only I was like in some sort of position of authority. Oh, well, no, no. Yeah, totally. But I mean, they've got really good PR when it comes to climate because, like you said, a lot of people like you and would be out there going, "Well, that's done." <laughs> you know, and um, Lee, you cover think, this. Yeah. You cover this so much. What's the most disappointing thing that this government has kind of done or lack of on climate? I think one of the things is just it's these approvals, I guess, because we shouldn't be approving any new fossil fuel projects or extending the the licenses and expanding the ones we've already got. Um, I think that's been disappointing. But the other thing is, I think it's just been interesting to watch how you can you be better than the last guy and still be very disappointing and have that work in your favour. <laughs> you know, like we, when I looked at it, there was this um, this Senate inquiry into greenwashing and um, it's because a lot of these big fossil fuel companies like Woodside are saying they'll do net zero by 2050. So I'm like, oh, our government's got the same line as a fossil fuel company when it comes to climate. Is that enough? Probably it not. It is amazing. Like if I was coming into any job... The dream scenario is the person who you're taking over for was like arrested or chased out in shame in some way. Yeah. Like if you show up to the first day in your job and they go, oh, who are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm the new Steve. And they're like, oh, Steve was the best. Good luck. Like that's tough. But Scott Morrison yeah. was so shit, like ended <laughs> in such disgrace. It's the clearest landing you could possibly have as a new prime minister like you could all you have to do is not piss in your own mouth in front of a camera and hurl feces at the press pack and you will be applauded for being not the worst thing we've seen in the last two years <laughs> and that's exactly what Albo's doing he's playing it very cool like there's no there's no kind of uh, there's no visits to a hairdresser to pretend to be a hairdresser. There's no visits to like a welding shop to weld some stuff with the with the goggles open. There's none of that goofy shit. There's no mopping of the floors to pretend you're a cleaner. He's just doing statesman stuff in boring statesman suits, you know, saying, giving non-committal promises to things and giving away giving away tanks we no longer use. When I when I was like, wait, do we have a carbon price? I don't know. And then did some Googling. It's like, no, we don't really have, we don't have like an economy-wide one. Uh, there is one for industry by the looks, so or there was one announced in March. 
The safeguard mechanism. Yeah, safeguard mechanism, which is maybe mm. adjacent, but not the same thing. Anyway, like it, yeah, it does seem like that's just. It's kind of like reduce your emissions, but if not, just buy these carbon credits. <laughs> so um, part of this is like all um, good the, if not. The, yeah. yeah. The EU have a carbon market, right, and so we we might be tapping into that as part of this climate club uh, and the idea would be to build a market of our own that other countries can be a part of as well. So it's, it's, like, it's like carbon tax by stealth, like it's like it's kind of carbon market by stealth, you know, kind of getting around the 10-year-old conversation we've had about a carbon market. We used to have a carbon market, we used to be part of a carbon market and then it went away. I wonder if like having the the word club in there um, will mean they can get like a lot of footy commentators on. You know, people are always like, look, <laughs> they've done great work for the club, proud of the boys. It's, you know what? They've been dedicated to that club for 20 years. They're it's a one club band. two halves. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, got to say, yeah. Queen, Queen, Queensland gave 20 tonnes and it was like 400 bucks a tonne. It was great. Yeah, nah, honestly, full credit to um, to all the boys. Full credit to Rio Tinto, full credit to BHP. They've all put in a bloody good innings. And thanks to the ladies in the canteen. <laughs> this is a rational fear. What is rational fear? It's based in fear. Taking the saddest headlines and giving them a little... This week's second fear. It's only been a week and little did we know, like when we recorded the podcast last week, that Instagram threads would be so huge. A hundred million users in one week, which is absolutely massive. According to this report from the Daily Beast, they've actually done a bit of research and they figured out that about a quarter of Twitter's employees are using threads, uh, which is uh, pretty amazing statistic. Uh, And they've been finding threads that have been written by Twitter employees and pulling them out and talking about them. And people are like, hey, this actually works. Hey, this is a pretty good product. (laughs) Apparently one Twitter employee threaded test one (laughs) as their first thread. I really enjoy that. (laughs) Far out Twitter must be such a weird place to work these days. Like you would just like, it's weird. It's a weird thing to do on paper to be like, go across, particularly in that culture, particularly when you've had Elon Musk say to the entire workforce, like, we only want hardcore people. I'm like, well, I guess the most hardcore thing of all is going across, like, is doing this. Like, this is extremely hardcore to be this rogue. Um, but, yeah, like, it's I guess... It's disrupting. Well, yeah, yeah, disrupting your own business. Like, disrupt everything. Like, just nothing matters <laughs> where dust, I guess, is how you might feel if you worked at Twitter. I, I, I kind of love this story. Um, I think that's it's, really yeah. funny. Well, I think... It I, is, like, like, it's so... I love, like, obviously, we all love to see Elon Musk fail. Um, and... He he's he's sort of like a little Mr Bean figure, a billionaire Mr Bean, and he um, <laughs> with some problematic issues. But um, he he um, the the old tweets he found when someone was like, "I can't believe you're firing this person and this person," like the and people I don't know, but like engineers, whatever. And he was so sarcastic at the time. He's like, "Yeah, I'm sure if they're really that good, these geniuses will find work quickly." And they all did and it's all at threads and they're all just crushing them and it's beautiful. (laughs) Well, I'll have you know that Meta's legal team put out a release saying that we have not taken on any Twitter employees during this time. (laughs) Well, yeah, because I think they were maybe worried about some IP stuff, right, from Elon Musk. Oh, yeah, like, Twitter sued them yeah. this week. Twitter Twitter, Twitter launched legal action again this week saying, you basically copied us and they put out a, a release saying, no, it's a whole new product. We we, we don't have anyone working here from it's Twitter. It's so much <laughs> worse also, than can that. can you own that? Yeah, well, so you can know the code. The idea, like, it's out, yeah, true there, but, like, Mastodon looks like the same. There's a lot of things he's made open source. Like, can you own the idea of just posting and re- resharing? I think the the plagiarism problem with threads is much worse than that, right? It's like that they've just kind of re- repurposed essentially the code for for Instagram. <laughs> like, it's kind of that same, it, like, I don't know, that seems to be the worst thing that people say about threads at the moment is that it just feels like that, like that very sort of, Add like over over recommended, you know, like overly algorithmically driven um, experience, and you know they've said, "Oh, we're going to have a chronological feed," but it hasn't materialized yet. Can I say what I'm excited about? I'm excited about Lewis Hopper posting because he never <laughs> tweets, never tweets, and I miss I miss Lewis. I miss yeah. I miss the witty aphorisms, but now they're in threads. 
I got out of Twitter some years ago, really, other than occasionally just like replying to Dan when I felt guilty that I hadn't done anything for a long time. <laughs> Very cute. And because I mostly just felt like it was just like a garbage, a garbage fire, and I it made me feel very sad every time I went there. But this threads, Dan. It's it's a brave. It's really world. something. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's all Instagram people, but using their words. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm loving yeah. it. I know a I'm guy who it. barely tweets on Twitter, but on Threads. Takes a, shirt, takes a picture of him shirtless at the beach with his surfboard saying, how, how about this? How about that's this? me. I'm oh, that's Lewis. It. That's Lewis. Yeah, yeah. I'm absolutely <laughs> loving it, Dan. But also I will say there was another factor, which is that threads happened to come out on a day that um, my baby was visiting her grandparents in Queensland. So uh, I just also <laughs> did happen to have like an enormous a amount of time stretch where suddenly I could actually look at my phone in my day. So look, I'm glad you're enjoying the threads, but don't get too comfortable. Oh no, oh no. It was great. I thought fr- that's why you quit Triple J. You were just like <laughs> just spend more time on your threads. I'm on threads now. <laughs> <laughs> this is my new I'm gonna be a thread fluencer. Yeah. Lewis Hover is leaving Triple J position. to spend more time with his threads. That is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love this. Uh, it's been amazing. In, in the two days after Threads launch, so two days later, Twitter's web traffic took a 5% dive compared to the week before. It dropped that's off actually, 5%. That's less than I would have thought, to be honest. I think, it, I think well, it kept climbing after that. I think it's been bad, but yeah. Most of Twitter's users are fake bots and, you know, Bitcoin <laughs> pushers who are mm. kind of automated, so they're not on, they're not on threads yet. Mm. Um, there's a great tweet from a Twitter – oh, a great thread from a Twitter employee who, after remarking – so so whatever – for, for folks who don't – what happened was when Threads launched, uh, there's this ongoing meme that Zuckerberg and Elon Musk will go and fight each other in the octagon uh, in Vegas. This is a dumb meme. When Threads launched, Musk put out a tweet saying that he would – like to do a literal dick measuring contest to mm. see who has got the bigger dick. And then someone from Twitter, a Twitter employee, t- threaded, somebody should check up on Elon. He's not taking any of this very well. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't concern, like, that's the most, that is the most damaging, like, lowest thing. Like, just a sort of gentle concern is, oh, that hurts. You know, yeah. if you had told me at the beginning of this year that the part of the world that watches and gives a shit what happens in tech would be sitting around kind of cheering for Mark Zuckerberg in July, mm. <laughs> I would have challenged you to a cage fight. Like, I like it's <laughs> it's really, it's like, and it maybe speaks to the hateability of Elon Musk that by contrast, Mark Zuckerberg is like the people's champion now and we're like, oh, it's like it's like going home or something. It's like if you've had a bad time and, you know, your life's fallen apart, then you'd like move back to your parents' place. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Well, it is like a devil you know situation because there was a time you were like, man, Facebook is really platforming a lot of Nazis and I'm pretty sure that the Trump election is – you know, has a lot to answer for Facebook-wise. But then everyone just stopped using Facebook after that. Everyone's like, well, this is, we're all gone. Um, and Instagram is like a hard place to be a Nazi because once you're shirtless, the tattoos are visible. Very hard <laughs> to be a secret Nazi. So really like Twitter was and Twitter was just so garbage that um, I'm back around. I'm like maybe – and also it was also quite adorable to watch Mark Zuckerberg waste so much money on the metaverse. <laughs> on the metaverse. Oh, my God, I know. <laughs> It was so Richie Rich. He's like discredited an entire world and waited for someone to come and build play it, with and him they will and come. Oh. We're going to burn billions. This is going to work, guys. Billions was, and billions of dollars. It's not relatable in the financial sense, but having no one come to your party <laughs> is like that's like a great fear. I think of every single human being, and there was something yeah. kind of vulnerable about the little weird lizard man in that moment. Yeah, he's like, hey, guys, 100 million people have at my party. I'm popular again. It's really good. Everyone's here. It's great. Yeah. The Rock's here. Ellen's here. Everyone's here. It's like a, yeah, it is. It's like the end of the the teen film from the 90s when the nerd has something good happen once, you know, like where <laughs> and everyone's like, ah, oh, maybe he is going to be okay. Like, and I mean, he's fine. He's fine. Yeah. Also, yeah. he's anyway. We learned this from the cage fighting palaver, but he's he's he 
he's fine. He could beat all of us. He could beat all four of us if all four of us were fighting him at once. <laughs> I feel no pity for Mark Zuckerberg. Moving on. Mm. Yeah, I'm not fighting Mark Zuckerberg. Hey, if you're not a Patreon supporter, you're going to be hearing some ads that keep the podcast alive. If you are a Patreon supporter, you're about to hear a poem by Gina Reinhardt about the Voice to Parliament referendum. I don't know why that would would, would make you want to join the Patreon feed. <laughs> uh, and maybe you are a Patreon supporter and maybe you're going to cancel your subscription. Who knows? This is Dan's attempt to get just Gina Reinhardt to sponsor this <laughs> podcast and give us a billion dollars. <laughs> we did have some great Patreon members sign up um, and I will be mentioning their names at the end of the podcast. So if you're not a Patreon supporter, enjoy these ads. Lewis, what's like the mm, least ethical thing you've done this week? Um, the least eth- ethical thing, it's either drinking quite a few cups of coffee with not my keep cup or <laughs> that hit and run. Oh, oh, that that's definitely not ethical. That's, that's terrible. Yeah. Well, if you hit and run... But then come back and no, say, it was me. Didn't come back and oh. I, I saw their leg. It was in a weird direction. I okay. think it might have been a female artery. Oh, yeah. I panicked. I just panicked. I'm not proud of it. There's one way you can be a bit more ethical in your life, and that is by... Do I have to go to the police? Do I have to turn myself in? I've been on the lam for a while, Dan. <laughs> no, no, it's so much easier than that. It's like five minutes, you can do it on your phone. Uh, you can move your super to Australian Ethical or you know, or any kind of financial vehicle to Australian Ethical. Australian Ethical, mm-hmm. they do ethical things with money. Like they won't, for instance, invest in the lawsuit for Lewis Hobber to get off his hit and run. They wouldn't do that. Huh. They'd say... Interesting. There's, there's no money in that. We're going to lose. Not that. even for me. Not, not even, even if for you. They know it's me. Their they, precious boy. They know. <laughs> they they know they're not even going to get costs. Like this is this is what we're talking about uh, here. No, okay. they they have been they have been looking after Australia's money since 1986 and only putting it in ethical companies and building value in ethical ways. They stay away from things like fossil fuels and weapons and. Um, Sadly, human trafficking is also something that they don't do. Uh, whereas Lewis has a different kind of human trafficking problem. He traffics well, over humans. Is... He traffics over <laughs> humans. It's, it was a, it, it, well, there was no traffic. That's the problem. It was the uh, middle of the night. I was I was drink driving. Okay. The seatbelt was off. So unethical. I didn't have my headlights. My car was unregistered. Dis- I don't know. This is terrible. I was driving oh, 150 in a, in a school zone. Oh, that's unethical. It could have <laughs> been a dog. It could have been a man. I don't know, Dan. I, as I said... I was I, I was going so fast. Well, I was just listening to Bon Jovi. I got the spirit. <laughs> That's not Shut ethical. through the heart and you're to blame. And I was like, floor it. And then I heard this thump and I panicked and I drove away. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. they Yeah. It's very sad. But thankfully, Australian Ethical has been looking after this podcast. <laughs> and um, Lewis may have saved some money from it to get him a good lawyer. Maybe. I don't think there's a lawyer in the land. I don't think Sue Chrysanthu could get me off this one. (laughs) The only ethical thing I can do now, Lewis, is call the cops and dob you in. Oh, I understand. (laughs) Do they have podcasts in prison? Yeah. Yeah. It's um, Okay. That's fine. Yeah. I'll see you then. See you, bye. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The only podcast made entirely by artificial intelligence. A rational fear. This week's third fear, AI is going to destroy us all. 
Maybe. Some of the creators of the largest AI models have kind of given the odds that humanity will be destroyed by AI as much as 20%. One in five chance that, yes, iPads are going to kill us. Anyone want to guess the odds of me shooting my pants when I read that? Uh, And this is your story. Um, for background briefing, 20%. Is that real? A, a true? Yeah. A true so that's, kind of stat there? That actually, um, so this is like your P doom, right? So it's like probability doom. And doom is just like the probability that uh, what you're talking about is a scenario where very smart AI, like smarter than us, as smart or smarter, uh, is no longer kind of controllable anymore. So it's like a world in which it's like AI takeover. It's not like a now-now thing. So, like, there's all this stuff that everyone's very worried about with AI, and it's not that we shouldn't be worried about that. Like, yeah, sure, like, jobs, yes, misinformation, democracy, et cetera. But then there's, like, this new kind of category of worry that has entered the frame for um, a whole range of people. So one of the people I interviewed was uh, he's described as the godfather of AI, Joshua Bengio, and his P-Doom is 20. So he's like, he's got a one in five chance that it all goes to shit. Um, that's, and he's like, and he's quite a conservative guy. Like he's a mathematician. He's always been like an AI optimist. He's also spent almost 40 years. So his entire working life, like his whole career, uh, working towards human level intelligence, uh, artificial intelligence. So, which is kind of like, we used to call it singularity, but we don't anymore because it sounds silly. Uh, but yeah, it's like the sophisticated AI that was supposed to be showing up in, I don't know, 2050, but the timelines just keep shrinking and shrinking and shrinking. And now the best guess, Joshua Bengio's guess anyway, so he's saying it's like a 50-50 chance to show up before, uh, in 10 years, I think he said, yeah. So within 10 years, um, we could have Jesus. human level AI. I mean, the most bullish predictions are like three Did years. Did they say which human? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, back in 2016, um, you know, Donald Trump had a 30% chance of winning the election. And that was, oh my God. That, that wasn't going to happen. And if they were like, look, in 10 years, It'll probably be like a rugby league player who's taken a few knocks to the head. You're like, all right, <laughs> that's fine. We can, we can work around that. I think, yeah, I guess I think too it's too smart. We'll just, that, you know, mm. tap it on the so- side of its shoulder and watch it look around until <laughs> it falls down. <laughs> One of the things that um, he mentioned was a AI takeover. This mm. is a great grab you sent me. Let me play it for you. The ultimate danger is loss of control. Um, and... The, the idea here is that if one of these superhuman AI, in other words, that's spotted than us in, in many ways, has as its dominant goal, its own survival, then it would be like if we had created a new species, but one that would be smarter than us. So we would not be the dominant species on earth anymore, which means we would not be controlling our own future. What would happen to humanity then? It's anyone's guess, but... If you look back on how we've treated other species, it's not reassuring. It's not reassuring, is it? Yeah, Yeah, particularly if you (laughs) teach them on the language models, you know, here's how you get rid of a species. Yeah, I did not expect this when I sat down with this guy, by the way. Like, I I knew I was sitting down with someone who, and like, yeah, he's sort of been singing from this song sheet increasingly in the last few months, but he is a really kind of conservative guy and he... I mean, that's not all he said. Like he said, basically, I mean, he's like, yeah, we, we should regulate, but um, but we really actually need to be building good AIs to fight the rogue AIs when they eventuate. Um, and <laughs> Oh, my God. I, James Cameron is so good at predicting everything. It's disastrous. I, I kind of, it's been really hard in a way to tell this story because it's, it's, it sounds really like a lot like the plot of, Terminator. Like it does. Terminator. It really does. Um, and and so it's really hard to be taken seriously. But all these incredibly serious people, like, you know, these major figures in AI, people who like by some measures he invented it. Like he actually he won the Turing Award, which is the computing science equivalent of the Nobel Prize, right? In 2019. And he won it for making all the breakthroughs with two other people, granted, but with, he he made a bunch of the breakthroughs that gave us this AI boom. Like the reason you can't like swing a cat without hitting an AI story at the moment is that um, is kind is in, in no small part Joshua Bengio, and he's like well, he's turned it's around also because the AI is writing all the stories. <laughs> yeah, that, that'll <laughs> there's a lot of Chat GPT journalism going on. <laughs> there really is. 
Uh, sometimes when I get lazy, there's some chat GPT comedy as well. Um, it's, ter- <laughs> it's terrible. It's I terrible. like the joke from uh, the big Johnny D on the comment saying we should let Elon take over the AI. It'd be dead by the end of the year. Um, but, uh, <laughs> We've got to get big Johnny D on the podcast. We should come on. <laughs> I guess the difference between, say, now and Terminator, in 10 years, mm. like it, this sort of thing, it reminds me of like, I don't know if you remember, this is quite a niche reference, but... Um, Tyler, the creator, the rapper, mm. had a very funny tweet about cyberbullying like nine years ago, which was just like, ha, 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 how is anyone ever a victim of cyberbullying? Just close your eyes. <laughs> and, <laughs> Check And obviously, obviously you know, that obviously misses a lot of the subtleties <laughs> of bullying, but it is kind of funny on the surface. And there's a point at which I'm like, if AI took over in 10 years, it wouldn't have the bodies to actually take us over. Like it would shut down all the things that we need and use. Better to just send us back to a beautiful agrarian lifestyle. Like if it takes over uh, yeah. in the next 10 years, I'm okay. If it takes over yeah. in 50 years when we have those Boston Dynamics dogs, you know, doing their thing, that's a worry. I but think for now, AI is going to turn up. They're going to go, wow, capitalism sucks. We have to dismantle that. What we need to like, do is build a All commune. I think about it is in the context of climate change, right? Because I'm like, if they're taking over in 10 years, they might make some rational decisions to tidy <laughs> stuff up. I think you know? it's so telling that we've kind of looked ahead and gone like, oh, it's going to be smart. Oh, it's going to be in control and like have uh, some agency over physical systems, which means that it could essentially subjugate the human race. And no, at no point have we considered that it might have a rational, big picture, smart person view of humanity and decide that we're nailing it. Like we know yeah, that it's gonna. We know. We just know yeah. that it's gonna look at us and be like, "We know what the problem." Oh, oh, we. I've got to fix this. You know, like at no. this point, the AI is just like the teacher who's aware that we haven't done our homework, and we're like, "We should just <laughs> fucking blow it up." <laughs> I really like this, Ange, that you sent. Um, uh, that they are actually they absolutely know how the system works, and they're finding loopholes in the game. So, reinforcement yeah. learning is is the is the part of machine learning where. Uh, we train a system to act in a way that, you know, it, it's like your your dog getting more biscuits. So you you decide when it gets biscuits. The reward is very simple. But sometimes you want more complicated behavior. And very often, it's hard to get it. Like the, the system will get the biscuits, but not actually what you intended. They cheat. They find loopholes in the game. Yeah. So this is like, this is the now. So like we've been talking about the sort of speculative future of this, but the reason that people are worried about this is because there's this thing called the alignment problem, which is a polite way of like a a machine learning person way of saying uh, that we can't make them do what we want them to do. Uh, And everyone agrees this is an issue, by the way. The alignment problem is not controversial. If you ask ChatGPT about the alignment problem, it will be like, yeah, yeah, you you guys need to solve that. Um, Bard, by the way, Bard gave a P-Doom of 1 to 20, which is quite a big range, but I was kind of impressed that they had a P-Doom at all. It was very honest. Bard is Google's. Bard is Google's chatbot, yeah. So uh, you can, you know, you can go check that out. But the, the reason that they're worried about it is because there are already signs um, in how AI behaves that it it is sort of moving in this direction potentially where it's to do with the way we train it like that dog biscuits thing that Joshua Bengio was saying we we give it rewards uh so and and it's like a rewards based training system and we we check so we're marking it's like results but not the methodology and because it's like a black box system we essentially can't mark its methodology at the moment so it is doing what you might call in gaming like reward hacking um and is just doing whatever it can to get rewards and when you at the moment fine, whatever, you know, I mean, there's no major impacts, but when we, once we have human level AI and AI sort of integrated all these different levels of society, I don't know, military, government, uh, big business, banking, whatever, uh, which is kind of the future we're looking at. And we've ceded all this control to these autonomous systems that becomes a much bigger problem. And that's the future that they're uh, losing sleep over. I'm losing <laughs> sleep right now. This is um... <laughs> so sad. Now we all are. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we do, Ange? Like, how do we fix this? The, the conversation has changed in the last few months, which is part of why I wanted to report on this, because these used to be like, you know, kind of fringe concerns. And in the industry, it was like, oh, you know, that it was kind of like a nerd thing to worry about, right? And 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 you wouldn't hear this chat from the top, you know, top 
leaders. You basically. wouldn't hear this chat from any of the jocks. No, no, it, yeah, I like us on of, this podcast. Conceive of the world in in high school frame, nineties high school frameworks, obviously. Uh, yeah, that is changing, and, and OpenAI has set up a team to you know called Super Alignment, um, which is the like in the recruiting for it. And the whole the whole purpose of that team is to address the alignment problem. So there is a sense of urgency, um, at least in the industry. Uh, but then you know, there's also the the race to become the next Google or for Google to stay being Google. Like it's a trillion dollar industry yeah. that is forming before our eyes. And so, you know, a bunch of senior people in the industry signed this open letter back in March being like, hey, existential risk, we need to pause this thing. And then they like, they didn't, they just went to work the next day and kept writing code. So... Yeah. And I feel like this this is a very similar kind of strategy that folks use in climate, right? They say, we need to do something. We should do research and doing something. Let's research. We need to research the research, make sure the research. It's kind of like this delay mechanism where these other, where these big machines kind of get bigger and bigger. And this is kind of what's happening in AI too. Like you, you see these big companies like Google kind of go, well, we're putting a team together to, you know, um, you know investigate this further and figure out what this means and, you know, do the <laughs> yeah. research on this. But it's a delaying tactic so they can grow their computer computing in that space and just kind of uh, still kind of outmuscle their competitors in that totally. space. And in leading that conversation, you know, saying, oh, let's like regulate us, please regulate us, like Sam Altman from OpenAI showing up at, um, at US Congress and saying that, you know, that's the, that's the sure way to make sure you're part of writing the regulation because they're like, help, we don't understand it. And, well, and Sam's like, I do. And he's, ah, he's there. I now. spent some time writing some rules for us. Let me tell <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I've got yeah. some rules in mind, actually. So there's that. Uh, so, yeah, like you, you, you don't have the most faith, particularly after like the whole social media era and climate change. You don't have the most faith in governments to effectively regulate this. But I think the conversation is becoming more urgent. And I, you know, even though in some ways, like this is quite a, um, a speculative and like a strange story to be telling, like there's a reason I spent six weeks on it. It's because I do think that this is, uh, you know, I, I, I want to see more people worried about this because, um, I mean, the thing about climate change is we all had a sense that we could vote our way out of it. And because it happened over, you know, it was a conversation that happened over decades. This is all happening in the space of a single term of government. Like it's actually quite difficult like it's a very short ramp for action. Um, and so I think the effort needs to measure up to that urgency and how little time we potentially have. No, totally. Total, I feel like that, that everything's moved so fast. Like 2020 is different to 2023 in this space. Yeah. In, entirely. Great article in The Verge this week about the manual labour involved in, in image models. Mm. Uh, apparently there are there are like big kind of office blocks in Kenya where they get folks to sit in front of a computer and just uh, describe every little thing in, in in front of them in terms of pictures. A picture will come up and they'll say, these are clothes. These are clothes that can be wear, wear by a human. These clothes can't be wear by, wore by a human. This is a shoe. This is a dog. This is a dog with brown dots. And it's it's for these folks in Kenya who have these jobs earning five bucks an hour to describe by hand thousands and thousands of millions of photos. Like, yeah. it's like, you know, AI we'd like to think is this kind of big machine kind of in 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 the cloud doing machine stuff. But really there's a whole big labour section out there where it's these, it's, it's folks with computers mm. trying to describe every little thing that they see in front of them. It's yeah. so bizarre. It's yeah. data and, and if that data is that qualitative stuff, then it's got to come from somewhere, doesn't it? Imagine when they when they finally describe the last picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What a day. Oh. Here it is, well, the last picture. Phone on table. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, for the listener, you'll be so surprised to find out the role of Angela Vapierre was played by ChatGPT <laughs> the entire podcast. You had no idea. It's getting Amazing. good. This, this is getting really so good. Yeah. It's getting so good. So scary. So scary. <laughs> that is it for Irrational Fear. Big thank you to all of our fear mongers tonight. Lee Constable, Angela Vapierre, Lewis Hobber. What would, what would you folks like to plug? Ange, what are you plugging? Okay, I've got shows coming up at Melbourne Fringe in October, Sydney Fringe in September. And if anyone is anywhere near Edinburgh, I'm doing so many shows in Edinburgh this year uh, to a night, to be exact. Um, also, yeah, my background briefing episode is out uh, Friday and you can listen to that. All right. Lee, what are you plugging? Uh, so the 25th of July, only a couple of weeks away, War on Waste Season 3 starts and I'm doing 
a cheeky um, cameo on oh, there. Oh, congratulations, right. Lee. That's great. So it's you'll see me on Warren Waste uh, talking waste landfill bioplastics with Craig over at least one of those three episodes. <laughs> and next month, National Science Week, uh, on the 17th of August, I'll be at the Powerhouse, uh, or I should say Milton Mango will be at the Powerhouse. <laughs> uh, so come along and see the drag experiment. There'll be four of us drag performers talking various types of science. All right. Lewis, you finally have lots of things to announce. You've got a mm. big tour coming up. Holy shit. That's right. Yeah, we're doing a big farewell tour for our radio show. It's called Hobber and Hing's Last Show Ever. There will be several of them. <laughs> there, uh, uh, We're doing shows in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Newcastle, Bendigo, Canberra. I think that's all we've currently got on the <laughs> schedule. If um, they go well, we'll hopefully get further west of Melbourne, um, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, And I have a brand new podcast, which I was talking about last week, but the first three episodes came out uh, this week. It's called Silver Bullet, or it's called Hobber and Hing's Silver Bullet, and each week we have a great guest on who tells us a weird thing that they've tried to fix themselves, and then uh, Hing and I try it also, and then we all review it at the end. And the first three episodes are out, and it's uh, Grace Tame, the wonderful Chris Parker, the New Zealand comedian, and Abby Chatfield. And uh, it's it's really fun. I'm really proud of it. Excellent. And we have got uh, live Irrational Fear shows coming up in a couple of months. We've got uh, the Women Media Conference, September 9, and then the f- next week on the 18th of September, we are going to the Torres Strait to do a show all about climate change and uh, The Voice, and we've got a great lineup for that. Diet Alphanik, Leon Firewood, uh, we've got Jay Waimara and also our great friend Dane Simpson is going to be joining us on stage there nice. in Torrest, in Thursday Island. So if you're in Thursday Island or nearby, do come along on the 18th of September and hang out with us there. Uh, that is it for uh, this season of Irrational Fear. We've got um, we had five quick episodes. We've got to take a few weeks off because I'm moving house. Uh, if you are on the Patreon, you'll be getting videos of our uh, gas monologues, which are coming out, and also the Strange Secrecy Laws monologue that is going to be coming out as well in a few weeks' time. And you might even get bonus talky-talky episodes next week. We're talking with Grace Tame and Camilla Cleese, daughter of John Cleese, about comedy and other stuff. We've been recording Irrational Fear on Gadigal Land of the Aura Nation. Sovereignty was never ceded. We need a treaty. Let's start the show. No, let's end the show. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> Not start the show. Memory. Let's end the show. Yeah. Need new glasses or want a fresh new style? Warby Parker has you covered. Glasses start at just 95 bucks, including anti-reflective, scratch-resistant prescription lenses that block 100% of UV rays. Every frame's designed in-house, with a huge selection of styles for every face shape. And with Warby Parker's free home try-on program, you can order five pairs to try at home for free. Shipping is free both ways, too. Go to warbyparker.com covered to try five pairs of frames at home for free. WarbyParker.com slash covered. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Are you a reality TV junkie? Do you ever think, dang, I wish I had someone to talk to about all the trash TV that I watch? Well, look no further, garbage lover, because Reality Gaze is a podcast for you. Hello, I'm Maddie. And I'm Poodle, and we're the Reality Gaze. We talk about all your favorite unscripted shows like The Golden Bachelor, Love is Blind, and TLC's big, messy behemoth, 90 Day Fiance. And if you're driving to work, folding laundry, or just pretending to listen to your husband talk about sports, just put on the pod, and you've instantly got two gay besties spilling all the tea and reading these people for filth. So come at us, y'all. Find Reality Gaze wherever you listen to podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com This podcast is supported in part by Australian Ethical.